Hey, I'm Daddy, and this is Daddy as Fuck, a throw-it-all-at-me discussion about poly, kink, DDLG, and BDSM, with an emphasis on power exchange through the eyes of a soft DDLG dynamic. You'll hear stories, opinions, and perspectives as we journey through an alternative way of life, what has worked, what hasn't, and thoughts about how to manage choices on a path less taken. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get going down the bunny hole. Hey, it's Daddy, and welcome to Daddy as Fuck, Season 1, Episode 6, Evolution in Poly Relationships and the Desire to Please. Today I'm talking about how regular communication and sharing can help you get the most out of your relationship, even as they evolve when we're not looking. Discover how I went from a complete freakout about the emotional shift I was experiencing to realizing just how deep the dynamic with Baby Girl and our relationship had evolved. As an added surprise, Baby Girl unwittingly but so clearly uncovers how the desire to please can become so strong that it overpowers the needs of self and becomes primary. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to daddy underscore af at comcast.net. As always, if you like what I'm saying and you want me to stick around, subscribe, rate, or donate to this podcast. Let's get going down the bunny hole. First things first in today's episode, I'm going to give some background, context to the topic of um, evolution in poly relationships and the desire to please. Let's call this the lead up. So if you've listened to episodes one through five, you've already heard a lot about my relationship. So I'm going to do a quick recap as is relevant to give context to this to this episode. So when we met baby girl and I, I was dating others. She was married and she still is. And she was an active swinger with her husband and also free to date. And soon after meeting, I was still dating for about a month or so. But she told me that, hey, you know, this is something that I really want to focus my time on. And I only get time to spend outside of my marriage, maybe you know, every couple of weeks, and I'm going to spend that time just on you. She was going to commit her free time outside of her marriage just on me. And at that time, I was dating somebody else. I had another play partner. And um, as as that month or two wore on, my play partnership with um, that other partner I had ended. Uh, there was some th- things, some conversations that came up And I saw the writing on the wall and realized that it wasn't really going to be a good fit for me anymore. So I chose to uh, part ways with that person. And that left me focusing just on baby girl and I. And in that change of path, she and I um, just continued exploring and kind of creating a bubble, creating a bunny hole of our own. And along the way, we were acknowledging the new depths that we were plunging into and experiencing together. Along with that, we created a couple of agreements to help guide us 
and um, create some direction. And one of those was that if we were going to enjoy full access to each other's bodies, we wanted to keep each other safe. So we would use condoms with anyone else except our primary partners. We would ask permission before anyone other than her primary partner uses her body. And that reflected my ownership of her. And then we would tell each other when we engage sexually with another play partner. And on the emotional side, we decided, we chose that we would feel all the feels and see where it goes, honoring the intent of promises to uh, her primary partner through our responsible behavior. And on the mental aspect, we acknowledged that we had a very real and sacred um, relationship supported by a 24-7 bond that we were growing to fit our lives. So those were the kind of guiding principles that we put in place so that as we forged forward with our explorations, we had some measure of safety net that we could fall back on to help us manage, responsibly manage um, the, the emotions that might come up as a result of engaging in these activities that we accepted as a part of our relationship when it first began. So as the pandemic of 2020 proceeded, we were forced together, quote unquote, forced together. Oh, it was so terrible. <laughs> we were forced together as the pandemic pretty much halted any other play for me and it halted any other opportunities of um, swinging with her husband for her. So it was pretty much just me and her because we wanted to keep seeing each other. We were pandamorous or COVID bonded. And uh, of course, you know, she lived with her husband. So we adopted the same kind of um, you know, pandemic rituals to keep our houses clean and, you know, and what we did after work and when we went to the store and whatnot, we all kind of kept to the same socially distanced protocol and that way managed the risk and felt safe moving forward and seeing each other through the pandemic because we definitely did not want to give that up. Um, so six months later, we were having conversations around the notion that she enjoyed having me all to herself. And, you know, it brought up some wiggles for her because I live alone and she has a family. So obviously she wanted the best and most for me, even though she couldn't provide it. She feels like I deserve more. And I, I just enjoy having her all to myself. And I am absolutely thrilled. It just fills me with so much joy and happiness being feeling like I can commit myself to her and feeling that I have her all to myself in our polyfidelitous little polycule where, you know, she's not out swinging, she's not out meeting other play partners, she's just with her primary partner, and I'm with her, and I'm she's just with me, and she's the pivot of the little V that we've got going, and we know what we've got, and it's a nice, steady, constant relationship. We understand all of the aspects. We've got a good handle on the movement of all the gears and pieces. And we move forward into a future together, a future of our choosing. So there's no outside elements that we have to worry about coming around the corner because we're choosing to be committed to each other. Or at least we were creating comfort for us both around the idea of committing our time and attention to just us. But there was another element to our relationship, something that was out of integrity, that drove me to have thoughts of what if that haunted me.
And so what happened when I had my big freakout? Well, it wasn't really a big freakout. It was just a very anxious filled moment. I couldn't sleep because I had been having haunting thoughts chasing me for two days. And I tried rationalizing them away, but I finally caved. And this is the what if that was haunting me, because even though I realized that we were both creating a relationship on the notion that we enjoyed being committed to one another, that was just a shared feeling that we enjoyed the situation we were in. We hadn't actually discussed very much about how the relationship had evolved. We were just acknowledging that this is the way we were feeling. But something was picking at me in the back of my head, and I couldn't quite dismiss it. So I'm going to read the text exchange. So I get a text from baby girl one Thursday morning, and she says, How are you doing this morning, Daddy? And I said, (sighs) About... 15 minutes later, as I debated sharing it or not. And it was one of those things I definitely did not want to say, so I knew I had to say it. And I said, ever get a thought stuck in your head that has no bearing on the present but cripples you nonetheless? I guess scared. I feel scared, anxious, annoyed with myself, frustrated, confused, and alone. I think I feel alone because I'm trying to deal with these thoughts on my own, but it's not working. And I really didn't want to say anything. I want to handle my own shit. But I think this is one of those instances we talk about not wanting to share feelings, but end up being glad we did. She replies, talk to me, daddy. And I said, yeah, it's definitely one of those things I'll be glad I shared. Just confessing it to you, I feel it easing after carrying it all morning. So... I woke up this morning, and for some reason, I had this thought hit me about you swinging again. I realized that's not even on your minds with the pandemic, but my brain was stuck on the what if, and I did not like the emotions I was having on many levels, fear, shame, nausea, insecurity, anger, and confusion. She replies, oh, daddy, I'm so glad you told me. I replied back, I tried telling myself it's not happening. But a part of me was spinning glorious web of tales about how I would feel if it did. And I didn't like it. And that led to the above emotions. And here I am, a victim of my own mind. She said, I know exactly what triggered that thought. Because the social event last night, uh, the virtual social event last night was with our old swinger meetup group. And I sent back a little emoji of me scratching my chin thinking. She said, but it was very much like going to a munch just to be around like-minded people. I said, yeah, I, I can see that. She said, it wasn't about actually wanting to hook up with anyone. The thought, is, the thought of swinging makes me nauseous. And I said, well, I had no idea where the thought came from. She, she adds to her last thought and, thought, and she says, less than zero interest. And I said, I had no idea who you were Zooming with, so it really caught me by surprise, the thoughts I had, I mean. So, you feel the same way about swinging that you feel about finding a play partner, essentially? She says, yes. I said, I mean, I talk a lot about how I want to focus on just you. And even though that has temporal challenges at times, it fills my heart to put all of me into you. And here I am acknowledging the fact that we've had conversations around the fact that we feel good about focusing on just each other. 
So I go on to say, you also talk about how you have zero interest in being with anybody else. I guess my brain is just wondering if we are living in a convenient pandemic romantic bubble or if these feelings we have are reflective of how we actually feel about one another and reflective of our true desires regardless of what's available socially. She replies, I love that you focus on me. Even though I get mixed feelings because I never want to restrict you from what you need to be happy and whole, and I know that I am completely whole at this time. Not only do I want, not only do I not want an intimate relationship with anyone else, the thought of it is really out of integrity with my feeling of being owned by you. I said, this is a very sobering realization for me. She says, my feelings definitely transcend the social pandemic situation as far as what I need. Why is it sobering, she asks. I said, not sobering, reaffirming, sorry. I guess it kind of sobers me up from this frame of mind I got stuck in this morning. I guess I don't need to feel exclusive to have what we are growing, but I feel a genuine desire to be exclusive and to commit to you. I love that we have created this notion of hybrid exclusivity. And now I'm relating back to a conversation that we had had where we were sharing how we felt joy at the thought of committing ourselves just to being, focusing our attention on one another and not taking on any new partners. So I said, I love that we have created this notion of hybrid exclusivity. She says, I feel the same. I just get mixed feelings because I have a family, so I always worry that if you are exclusive to me, you're somehow being shortchanged, and I try to let that go. And just remember, if our situation stops working for you, we will address it. I said, I know, I wrestle with that, but as I said in bed on Sunday morning, when we were together, she and I were together and we were talking in bed, putting everything on the scale, I get the most net positive out of knowing that I am all yours. At that time, we had discussed, you know, if I was dating somebody else, what would it look like? What would it feel like for me? What would it add to my life? What what would it take away from my life as far as distracting me and eating up my time and what that other person might want and what emotions I would have to juggle? And now I'd be back in two relationships and uh, how how that would make me feel and if I wanted that or not. And I realized that I get the most net positive out of knowing that I am all hers and it reciprocated in the fact that she is all mine. And those two go hand in hand. So I go on to say, very much deep into the experience of the intimacy. And I think that's what I was scared about because if we changed the trajectory to start being with other people, It would be a shift away from the focus that I have on us now. And I adore being all yours and knowing that aside your family, meaning along with and next to her family, that you feel the same. And with that, I feel almost a part of your life and of your family. She said, yes, that all resonates. And at some point, our relationship may evolve. I tell myself that at some point, because you have more time and availability, you may want to seek other ways to fill that. But I don't need to cross that bridge now. I also worry a little bit about my husband. He can't swing without me because I'm his quote unquote ticket in, you know. Fortunately, the pandemic has made that a non-issue. But if I wonder at some point, he will ask me to get together with a couple. I know he still enjoys talking to people on websites and such, and the thought makes me nauseous. But I'm sure I can talk to our therapist about it and figure out how to navigate. 
I said, well, I'm not crossing that bridge anytime soon, though I am reaffirming the side of the river we are making our home on. One I adore. The other side of the bridge can go fuck itself. You're mine, and I'm yours. I guess I realize that you may need to appease your partner in that way at some point, even though for now his cup is full. How I always framed it was that you swinging gave us access to having what we have, and in the interim, you and I have built a wonderful palace that is growing. I feel like swinging, or me fucking around, would be out of integrity with what we're enjoying the most about us, and it would be muddy footprints in our palace. Something we could deal with, but it brings more joy to us to keep building instead of stopping to clean up muddy footprints. For what? Casual sex? My heart is yours, so it's not like I want another relationship. Even being poly-minded, I choose you. So if your husband asks you to get together, and it makes you and me nauseous, I guess it's good we're on the same page, but I also think we will have to deal with it together and intentionally. Maybe we can find other ways to create asks or find things that balance out your need to navigate a situation that you and I, frankly, don't want. Maybe that could become an opportunity to create some sort of a balance while resulting in a little something extra for us. So that was the text exchange. And shortly after that, she called me on the phone. And we discussed how we were both feeling nauseous at the thought about being with others. And more so, imagining our partner with somebody else uh, in an intimate sexual way. Or even in an intimate romantic way. We were confident that... Uh, we talked about being confident that we would be able to trust and manage our partner if we, either of us decided to take on another relationship or start swinging. But honestly, neither of us, at the end of the conversation, neither of us really wanted to pop the bubble we created to do that. And even though it does create unique challenges in her relationship because you know her partner has needs, wants, and desires that are not congruent with the needs, wants, and desires that she has for herself anymore and that are deeply connected and rooted in our relationship, that we decided that for now we were happy committing to the fact that we want to be exclusive. We enjoy the thought of committing ourselves to each other and the thought of being with anybody else makes us nauseous. And quite honestly, I think we both fear the day that um, her partner brings up swinging um, <laughs> but I guess I do take comfort in knowing that we will manage that together. So through that conversation, we had erased the old guiding principles of our relationship where we would, she would ask permission before anybody else used her body, or we would use protection with anybody or tell each other when we play with anybody because we took that all off the table. And we created a new view of our relationship together that was in alignment with the now. So at one point when we had created our relationship, we had left plenty of room to navigate the emotional and physical challenges of being with other people. And now through these conversations, we realize that we don't want to be with other people. That is not something we choose. It may be something that we're forced to deal with, and I honestly don't know how we're going to navigate that, and it still scares me. But I do trust and love my partner very much, and I know that we will find some way to get through it. But as of right now, all of that is off the table, and neither of us wants it. And here we are, standing in a new place with new agreements and building from this place with these agreements that we are polyfidelitous and we are, I am committed to her and she is committed 
to me, and she is committed to her husband. I'm going to back up a little bit out of my own life experience now and talk about evolution in relationships because all of that was just an example of how I realized that our relationship had evolved and had it not been for the fact that I shared those unsettling feelings, we never would have, or we we probably eventually would have, but we would not have at that moment realized that we were managing our relationship from a very different place than we had agreed when we started it. Let's focus on evolution in relationships. Having unsettling feelings inside our relationships is a terrific road sign that says, conversation ahead. In these areas, we can't risk being silent and afraid of being seen as weak or vulnerable. In the examples I gave above, as I relayed my story, I was laying in bed and I did not want to share. I did not want to share. But at the same time, I felt scared and I felt alone. And the moment I shared, it opened up a conversation that completely changed the landscape of our relationship from where we started it to where we are now, creating new agreements and living into a future that's based on how we both feel about what we have right now. When you bring up relationship concerns, especially in a power exchange relationship, if your partner is equally invested in your relationship, then every conversation is a chance to grow and to learn. Creating distance and space by holding things in and trying to process them on your own really cheats your partner and it cheats your relationship and it cheats you of the opportunity to grow and learn together. And I get it. Not everyone is into communication. You can bond into your relationship so deeply by recreating it from the now and remaining intentional with conversations. If your partner does not want to communicate, but you do about state-of-the-state topics, that's probably a sign that you're in for a bit of frustration in the long term. And a sure red flag is a partner that rolls their eyes with a this-again expression, or a partner who gets frustrated at your bringing up the quintessential where-is-this-going conversation. Can't you just be happy about what we have now? Why do we always have to talk about it? Well, yes, I can be happy with what we have now. So let's get on the same page about exactly what that is. Communication in relationships, especially when unsettling feelings are present, marks the potential for evolution and growth together to take each other by the hand and talk about where you're at and look look at and examine where your relationship has come from to where it is today and how you'd like to live into tomorrow. What kind of choices and agreements do you need to make? What kind of surprises and upsets can you potentially avoid, at least the irresponsible ones, by not talking about it and then running smack dab into a landmine because one of you feels so intimately connected or bonded with your partner that the thought of your partner doing certain things or acting a certain way inside or outside of your relationship just gives you the heebie-jeebies. Well, if you don't communicate those to your partner now, what's going to happen if they go do that thing? Hmm? 
So it's best to be on the same page about what you want from your relationship and make sure that your partner wants the same thing now and now and now. So looking at evolution and relationships, I want to talk about evolution and poly relationships. And, you know, oh, well, duh, isn't that the same thing? Aren't relationships relationships? Well, yes, they are. And I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because poly relationships can be incredibly dynamic and complex. Every partner you add is now another person you're in a relationship with. If they have partners... That adds to your mental and emotional load across a social network. If you have multiple partners, as things happen in your life, they roll out like ripples in a pond to all your other relationships and potentially washing over the people that they are also in relationships with. So really quick, when my ex-wife and I met another couple um, and I started to you know, develop a relationship with that gentleman's wife, and my wife started to develop a relationship with that woman's husband. I had a girlfriend. She, my wife had a boyfriend. I didn't just have a relationship with my wife and my girlfriend. I now had a relationship with my wife, my girlfriend, and my wife's boyfriend. Why? Because I love my wife, and my wife was, also loved her boyfriend, and she was in between the two of us. And I loved my girlfriend. My girlfriend also loved her husband. And she was in between the two of us. And what's more is there was another relationship that was all four of us connected. So I now had a relationship with my wife, with my girlfriend, and my wife's boyfriend. And a relationship to all of our relationships. Because of something kind of fell out of place, it affected every single one of us. If something upset him that he needed to work through, it created conversations, it created concern, and sometimes it may have created concessions in my relationship with my girlfriend and my wife. Having to take time for phone calls to create concern about what that might mean, if it was a harbinger that change could be coming, it can be really, really unsettling. Being in a poly situation adds external elements to our relationships that we now will need to manage. You know, they say you should know your poly number, and I found that out really quick because when I was married and I had a girlfriend, I had, I had met a girl that I liked, and I thought she was cute, and she wanted to explore rope, and I liked rope, so, you know, I talked to my girlfriend, and I talked to my wife, and I said, hey, I think I'd like to date this girl you know, casually and have some fun. Would you, how do you feel about that? And they were open to exploring that possibility as my girlfriend was actually having a casual, occasional relationship with uh, a man other than myself and her husband. But my wife and her boyfriend were polyfidelitous. They did not want to be with anybody else. Um, so I started dating this other girl and for about six weeks we dated until I just reached a point where things were 
things were growing between us, but I, I reached a saturation point where I just felt so much anxiety closing in around me. I, I was having such a hard time managing the emotions between my wife and her boyfriend and, and my, my wife and my girlfriend and me and my girlfriend and back to my girlfriend's husband, who was my wife's boyfriend. And it was just like taking another person along for the ride was just nope. So I, I had to end that relationship and, and I realized that I have a number. <laughs> so that leads me at this point in talking about evolution and in poly relationships to, to ask what, what kinds of relationship structures do you prefer? I don't know if you ever thought about it. Have you tried it yet? Have you found your poly number? Are there any types of relationship structures that cause you a lot of frustration and anxiety? This notion of having a number, you know, it was brought up to me and I said, oh, what is that? And I soon realized what it was. So have you ever thought about it? You know, have you ever thought about this, the relationship structure that you're in or the relationship structures that you might be interested in? And when you're thinking about that, it's easy to think about, oh, my God, I'd love to try this. I'd love to try that. Or that kind of scares me. But are there any that you can say hard limit? No, I, I just can't anticipate being in that situation. And on the contrary, are there relationship structures that you feel come naturally to you? I feel that from a personal perspective, I have three configurations that I feel very comfortable in. Either it's multiple casual relationships or a committed monogamous relationship or on the other side of a V where I am in a committed romantic relationship with someone who also has a committed romantic relationship with somebody else. Over the years, I had to admit that sometimes just because I can do a certain type of relationship structure and I can do them well, the cost just isn't worth the reward, which is why I'm thrilled to be committed to my baby girl and have her commitment in return because Every bit of energy I put into the relationship comes back to me tenfold, and I see her feeling the same. And that's a wonderful place to be in. Um, you know, so as you start to think about relationship structures and what you prefer and what you don't, what comes naturally to you, you know, I encourage you to focus on the ones that thrill you and the ones that fill you with happiness and joy, and then the ones that kind of give you stress and anxiety and take a look at where that stress and anxiety is coming from. Is it because you're still learning? You're still finding your way through? Maybe it's a new situation, but at some point, open your mind and listen to your heart and you will realize that inside yourself, your heart already knows and it's telling you, this isn't working for you. Or it might be telling you, you're almost there, keep going. Or it might be telling you, this is exactly what you want. And sometimes we just can't get out of our own way to see that. So that's why communicating about where we are now and now and now in our relationships can help us keep our finger on how things are evolving. Very important in relationship communication is another super strong element of evolution in poly relationships. This doesn't necessarily happen in monogamous relationships, because once you're in a relationship with somebody and you're monogamous, you just go forward in that relationship. And the name of the game is staying connected and on the same track. Game changers are just that. They're situations that develop and result in unpredictable but significant and impactful shifts in our relationship structures. So my wife's relationship was a six-year game changer. That's It took six years to play out. And that's 
probably something that if I look back now and I had, if I had the experience I have now, I would have been able to look at what was happening and seen the evolution and realized that, hey, we're in a game changing situation here. But I didn't. So looking back now, I can see that my wife's relationship was a six year game changer. And that eventually resulted in her choosing to pursue a monogamous relationship with her boyfriend and transition our marriage to a casual friendship. That's a game changer. It changed the game from her and I being married to her and I being divorced and her being monogamous with her boyfriend. That's a pretty big change in the game. I'd say as far as games go, the rules got flipped on their head in that game changer. But that's not how every game changer looks. My baby girl's game changer was the evolution of our deep and loving relationship, taking us to a level of romantic connection that neither of us expected and can't imagine now living without. That sounds like a very good game changer. Something that her partner was not quite expecting and now works to accept and manage. Fortunately, it's a net positive to their relationship and a net positive to ours as well in that we're getting to spend more and more time together than what was quote-unquote allowed when we first met as play partners. So the game changer was she and I developed a deep loving relationship and even though her husband is technically monogamous, but he's in a polyamorous situation with the other two of us, he's beginning to accept that she has a deep loving relationship with me and it results in a net positive for them. So he is becoming more willing to create time for us to spend together as long as it doesn't necessarily impact them or impacts them in a way and at times that he's okay with. And that has happened over the last few months and it we are actively managing it. So that's another flavor of game changer. My game changer personally was meeting baby girl and realizing that I went from being single and dating multiple play partners thinking that I'm just going to like I've been only been divorced a year. I'm just going to keep dating. Right. I had no interest in a relationship at all. Like you know, casual relationships, cool, you know, relationships where we have a nice emotional, mental, physical connection, but we're also dating other people. Yeah, that's great. But my game changer was meeting baby girl and realizing that I'm fulfilled 100% in focusing just on my relationship with her, being committed to her, and no longer feeling the urge to date or have other casual relationships. Game changers don't always cause terminal transitions in relationships. But more often than not, they signify significant developments that simply can't be turned off. They become markers of where life takes a turn and will likely never look the same again. Game changers can be classified in the same space as things that you say <laughs> but can't take back, or things that you don't know that you don't know, or things that you see but can never unsee <laughs> or forget. <laughs> so when it comes to game changers and it comes to evolution in poly relationships, what happens when you're in a groove and you encounter change in your poly relationship? Maybe it's change central to your relationship or a reverberation from one of the other relationships that are ancillary to your primary one. What are the threats what are the disruptions that are caused by that potential change? 
What are the needs of the people in the relationships that are causing the change, that are creating the threats or disruptions? So on one side, you have a potential change. On the other side, there's threats and disruptions. And on that other side, there's needs of the people that have the ch- that, that are driving the change. And then there's the needs of the people that are feeling threatened and disrupted. Navigating choice when faced with the fear of change can be very fucking hard. In poly relationships, it's almost certain you're going to have to deal with that on a relatively regular basis. Because as poly relationships evolve, you're going to come face to face with challenges beyond your relationships, like things that challenge the notion of who and what you are. Speaking of challenges to the notion of who and what you are, let's talk about choice in relationships. There's no rule that says relationships and love has to look a certain way. Poly can contain elements of monogamy. Hell, poly can become monogamy and back to poly again. And just as it's hard to go from monogamy to polyamory and learn how to love multiple partners, sometimes it's hard to look past the lifestyle that we're living and acknowledge that a poly relationship is shifting more towards monogamy without making it wrong that that is happening. Or even accept that you desire to be so focused on one partner that you would prefer to be monogamous in that relationship. It's easy to fall into the lifestyle trap of staying committed to one direction. I fell into that trap being committed to my marriage, and even though it no longer served the needs of the people in it, I was still committed to making that marriage work. In the same way, we can become so committed to being poly, or swingers, or relationship anarchists, or non-monogamists that we fall into the trap of making choices based on our lifestyle, rather than the relationships we have, and based on what meets the needs of the people in them, mostly your own. That's not fair to your partners, and most of all, it's not fair to you. How we conduct our relationships, honestly, is our choice. It's based on how we feel with and about the people in those relationships. They can look or be structured any way that serves the needs of the people in them, but it's our choice, along with our partners, which comes back to communicating about our evolution as we're experiencing it. Because relationships evolve. And as we put tools and agreements into place, there's a time and place when to recognize that those tools, they no longer meet our relationship's specific needs. Sometimes just because we tell ourselves that we're in a specific type of relationship structure, we should be able to handle the circumstances that arise. Well, I'm poly. I should be able to handle it when my partner wants another partner or my partner wants to go swinging with her husband. But what happens when the relationship changes and shifts and it grows and you outgrow those tools and agreements? Emotions is what happens, and they're the perfect earmarker, those unsettling feelings that there's a conversation ahead. Conversation and choice is what needs to happen to create what serves the people in the relationship as a result of the shifts that you both agree are happening and where, ultimately, you want the relationship to go. So, in the text messages, I read... I was beating myself up because I felt wrong for not wanting her or I to take on any more relationships. I felt wrong for wanting to be polyfidelitous. I felt so wrong about feeling that way that I never realized it was what I wanted. 
Not until I shared my feelings. And then we had the conversation that created it. Because I realized that she wanted the same thing. And I only realized that because I spoke up and I shared my unsettled feelings. Now, if she didn't want, if she didn't want the same things, then we would have had a conversation about what to do with my feelings and how to get on a path to the direction that we were both pointed in the same way. Having discomfort around the thought of each other being with other people was not a sign that we weren't poly anymore. It's a sign that our relationship had grown fully into this poly fidelity space that we ultimately decided fit us, fit our hearts, and fit our minds, fit where we were at right now. And what there was to recognize is that our relationship changed. And now it was okay that we both chose, or we both choose, that we don't want to be with other people. It doesn't make us not poly. It makes us happy. Being intentional about the fact that we have choice in our relationships and exercising that choice together or for ourselves based on what works best for the people in the relationship will help our relationships evolve with us or for us rather than in spite of ourselves. Or worse, while we're not looking and then we become a victim of them. Let's explore the desire to please, because during my conversation with Baby Girl about how we felt less than zero desire to have other partners, I asked her what is it that leaves her feeling no desire to swing or have another partner? And I could ask the same question of myself, right? But in asking her, she explained that she doesn't want to be with anyone else because it's out of integrity with the aspect of ownership that we have in our dynamic. That I own her, and she knows I don't want her to be with anybody else, so it pleases her to please me by not wanting it. That through our dynamic, she wants nothing more than to please me. You know, so I understood that. I, I, I mean, I get it from a DS point of view. And at the same time, I acknowledge that we're, we're human beings with free will. Now, I understood that she wanted to please me, and I'm not really good at trusting people that do things because I want them to in relationships. In the past, I have been insecure with partners doing things for me, and I much preferred doing things because we both wanted them. So I own that. That's my own shit, and I recognize that insecurity. And being new to the concept of ownership and exploring it with Baby Girl, I find myself sinking into its warm depths, providing a new sense of security through her devotion. And that triggers things in me. So I acknowledged her desire to please me. And I also asked her to set our dynamic aside and tell me, what do you want? Just you. Not thinking about pleasing me. What do you want? Because my insecurity was like, geez, am I holding her back? Maybe she wants to swing with her husband. Maybe she wants to like go out on dates and, and do shit, you know? Am I holding her back because of our dynamic? She's doing it just to please me. Geez, that doesn't sound very healthy. So um, I want it to be responsible as, you know, acknowledge that she's a human being with free will that I'm in a relationship with here and say, okay, time out, time out, you know, uh, from, from our dynamic, just you. What do you want? She literally stammered and said, 
uh, nothing comes to mind. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to think about that. Her first thoughts were that she could not disconnect her own needs from pleasing me because pleasing me had become her primary need. I was like, fuck, are you serious? Somewhere in my head, click ownership. And it was just like the answer. It was the one answer that was like a smack in the face. Like, hello, this Girl, you own this girl. That is true ownership. And it led me to reflect on my side of the equation. If hers was service to me as an owner, what aspect of possession of her drove me? Hmm. So as I reflect, I realize that once upon a time, I told her to ask me for permission before anyone other than her husband used her body. And that was very early in our relationship. And that satisfied me for a time. I was using the aspect of DS and ownership that we were walking, just starting down the path of exploring ownership slash possession. And I was like, hey, you know, she and I are kind of in an open relationship here. So I can use this ownership thing as a way to manage these tricky, difficult emotions that might come up if she's going to take on another play partner. You know, she has to ask me for permission for it first and that will quote unquote force actually it will it will conjure it will create a conversation and then we can kind of talk about it and be responsible and intentional in how we expand our relationships outside of the two of us but as i said that satisfied me for a time and our relationship had sustained a critical shift there were aspects of ownership that had deepened over the past 7 months And I found myself confronting feelings that, as her owner, I could not with good conscience freely and clearly give her that permission. Would I ever deny her anything that she really truly wanted as a human being with free will? Absolutely not. But if I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be clear about how how I am experiencing my ownership of her, I could not with good conscience at this point in time say, I can give you that permission. I could only do it if it was a relationship requirement, like, hey, daddy, this has to happen. You know, this, this is what I need to keep my marriage healthy. My other partner needs it. We have to figure out a way to do this. My laptop's talking to me. <laughs> so I could do it if it was a relationship requirement. And it would be one that came with all the fears and the anxiety of change to our relationship that I didn't want to bring into our very sacred polyfidelitist bubble. So as an owner, I felt my protector side bristling. And I didn't feel safe with her going out with her husband and being used by strange guys. You know, part of me gets a little bit turned on by that. But big part of me is like, I don't feel comfortable about that. Which is a ridiculous notion because, you know, they, they, they were swinging for quite a while before I came along. But at this point, from an aspect of ownership, just looking through that lens, I just was not comfortable with her doing it. Not without me there in that type of situation to protect her, to see that she was safe and to watch her enjoy herself. I mean, I'm definitely, there's aspects of me that definitely turned on by that. I mean, I've been a swinger for, I was a swinger for years and I love the alternative lifestyles and being sex positive. And yeah, I had my own personal difficulties with it, but 
with baby girl, I definitely feel that there's energy there that we could, we could explore. We're great explorers. And I would love to do that with her. But as an owner, if I'm not there and I can't make sure it's going away that I know will, um, be a, a positive experience for her and for us, then I just couldn't condone it. And I felt this gut-driven reaction that I simply don't trust anyone else to protect her enough to allow it. And once I realized that, it really tied together the two dynamics that were going on here. But more than that, there was, there was something else too. And it was my, my role as an owner you know, although it's new, it's very strong, a primal feeling, this possession of someone that I care so immensely for, and I feel a deep sense of responsibility for her well-being, mentally, emotionally, and physically, at all times, even well apart. And if I'm going to be an owner, I feel the need to be in tune with that. I find myself acutely aware of and connected to her moods, her perspectives, her outlook, and her current focus. Is she focused on family? Is she focused on work? Is she focused on exercise and bettering herself? Is she focused on us? Is she focused on creating? I want to be connected to what her frame of mind is at every single moment to support her, keep her on track, and carry her through whatever's going on in her life toward being her best self and know what direction she's headed in at all times. As a matter of fact, today we were together and we were talking, I was talking about how, you know, geez, you know, when, when you first got here, you seemed very like full of this energy and focus. And, you know, you were, so I felt like you were carrying your day-to-day life into our, you know, our, our moment together and which, which is great, you know, because we were just meeting at the end of a busy work day and she was about ready to go home to family and stuff. So it's like, you know, tag you're it kind of a situation where it's like we're not going to sink deep into our dynamic. Um, but I just marked the fact that she was just full of all of this, this, this energy of her life buzzing all around her. And I says, you know, this, we don't I know we're not going to go deep because it's kind of hard to dip deep and go back to everyday life. But I noticed this. I noticed that like. There's a different face of you, you know, there's a different aspect of you um, present here. And she's like, there's a lot of different aspects to me. And I says, yeah, I know, you know, me too. But that's the point. I, I want to be present and connected with her at all times, no matter what her perspective, no matter what mood or focus she has, because that's what being a daddy to me and that's what being an owner to me, most especially, is all about. I feel like um, there's always a varying and healthy portion of the bandwidth of my mind humming with thoughts of her, her needs, and how I'm connected to them at any given moment in the day. Moreover, what she might need for me. I find myself through the day, several times through the day, thinking of her, thinking of what she's doing, thinking of what's going on. And, you know, sometimes I actually check in with her and say, hey, what's going on with your day? Tell me about your day. I, I want to know what you're up against. And she'll tell me what she's up against and I'll kind of just cross-reference that to how I know her and what I know of her. And maybe I'll ask a few pointed questions and just to kind of get a sense for what she might need. Because in, in past episodes, as I've said, I took possession of her anxiety. It's part of my role as daddy and owner 
so that she doesn't have to be so concerned and I can sense what's going on for her life and I can step in and say, hey, you need to just do X, Y, Z here. Otherwise, you're going to like go over the edge and just kind of like put that hand on her neck and settle her down. Um, so through all of this, what I was getting in touch with is that my commitment to just her, my lack of desire to be with anyone else casually or romantically was tied to my desire to be entirely focused on this person's well-being. Like, I don't want anything else to distract me from her. I want to provide her a safe, secure, and dedicated home to nestle into every minute of every day, whether we're together or apart. And in response to that, it nurtures her desire to please. So one side of the hand, the other side of the hand. Just as her desire to please me has become her primary need, supplanting a need to have other partners or even her own needs of self at times, my desire to protect, care for, and keep her safe supplants any needs or desires I have to be with other partners. Other partners, and I've told her this time and time again, would just be a distraction to me, a distraction from her, even though we don't cohabitate. My ownership expands into every nook, cranny, crack, and crevice of our relationship. And I take immense, soul-filling pride in committing myself to being her home. A true owner that she can count on. The best owner I can think to be. If either of us added other sexual or romantic energy into our lives, it would ripple into this most sacred of spaces. And as an owner who wants nothing more than to be connected and in tune with my possession in the purest possible way, I don't want either of us to bring those muddy footprints into our space. Could we handle it? Perhaps fucking literally. I don't want it. And it's true. She has a family and a husband, and those are significant relationships that, that we navigate, that we bring into our space. And we do a damn good job at that. But it's also been a constant since the day we've met, so it's not disruptive. We built on top of it. Now that said, with this significant 24-7 power exchange dynamic of ownership, we also manage feelings around the limitations of our situation in the face of our desire to give each other what we feel the other deserves. But as I said, these limitations are integrated into our relationship and uh, our dynamic because we've, we've built on top of them from day one. Daddy simply doesn't want any more. And imagine my uplifting surprise that baby girl feels exactly the same, not just from a relationship perspective, but also through our dynamic. I know and trust we could navigate the muddy footprints if we had to. And as an owner with free will, I choose not to. In saying that, not only did our relationship outgrow and evolve past those early agreements, our dynamic had as well, both in lockstep had we not explored our fears and anxiety together, we would have left a crack in the dam for one of us to make choices based on an incomplete understanding of exactly what we have. Exactly how the other person feels, and moreover, what we want for our future. Her desire to please me has become so strong that it overrides her needs of self and is her primary need. And my desire to protect and care for her has become so strong that it overrides my needs of self 
and is my primary need. True, pure ownership. A dynamic deepening realization that can only come from stripped, bare, vulnerability, trust, and communication. As our relationships evolve, we owe it to our partners, and we owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to our future selves to communicate about where we are now and now and now. What's next on Daddy as Fuck? Rediscovering romance. And never is six months away. Hear from Daddy and Baby Girl in Baby Girl's debut appearance on Daddy as Fuck. Together, we explore how relationship landscapes can alter dramatically, from how we perceive the way we are in relationships to opening up new worlds and ways of being that we never imagined. Listen about how the life-affirming aversions to things like romance, true love, and soulmates that we had when we first met were challenged, changing our minds, hearts, and perspective about what's possible for our life together. All that and more on Daddy As Fuck. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to me, daddy, at daddy underscore af at comcast.net. Thanks for joining me down the bunny hole. Catch you next time. Thank you.